Welcome back to New World Next Week. I'm James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. And I'm James Evan Pilato of MediaMonarchy.com. My actions will speak louder than my words. We've got that story plus the death of Pervez. But first, U.S. uses $400,000 missile to shoot down Chinese spy balloon and destroy all the electronics. I went for essentially the most recent post and story on this that I could find. This has been now going on for days. Most recent post I could find from my man Chris at informationliberation.com. He's been at it since 2005, like Media Monarchy has. The alleged Chinese spy balloon, which flew over the U.S. last week and captured the nation's attention, was shot down on Saturday by an F-22 fighter pilot using $400,000 AIM-9 Sidewinder missile. Senior defense officials tell me an F-22 fighter jet fired a single shot at the Chinese spy balloon in U.S. airspace over the Atlantic Ocean, Pentagram stenographer Jennifer Griffin reported. The F-22s flew from Langley Air Force Base in Virginia, you know, where they didn't scramble jets from on 9-11. Senior U.S. military officials say one air-to-air missile fired by F-22 at 58,000 feet brought down China's spy balloon. The balloon was at 60, 65,000 feet when shot. Each AIM-9 Sidewinder costs around 400,000 bucks, according to Wikipedia. Yes, the U.S. could have shot the balloon down with some low-cost bullets and potentially recovered its electronics, but this balloon was trying to take our freedoms away and had to pay. We will never know whether it was a weather balloon, as China claimed, or the high-tech spy balloon that was the best in history, because the rocket apparently made a direct hit on the lower section where all the electronics were, like a jet flown by an inexperienced pilot into the accounting offices of the Pentagram. With the balloon finally out of airspace, Americans can rest easy knowing they're safe at last. While it's true that China has satellites in orbit which can potentially see pennies on the ground of American cities, and of course the U.S. has the same spying tech on China as we've noted very recently, don't use TikTok, use our spying platforms, this balloon was different. It was an evil Chinese balloon and we are glad to see it dead. Which now gets the U.S. on a war footing with China over Balloon Gate. China flying a spy balloon over the U.S. is an outrageous violation of our sovereignty, but the U.S. surrounding China with U.S. military bases and pouring tens of billions of dollars of military aid into Taiwan is just about maintaining the rules-based order. In other balloon-related buffoonery, four years ago, Pentagon testing mass surveillance balloons across the U.S. August 2nd, 2019 from The Guardian. U.S. military launches giant balloons to spy on the Midwest August 4th, 2019. And James, the part that really makes me think of 9-11, Dolly Moore says she saw jets and an explosion over buildings. Officials, the government, the city leaders all say they don't know what she saw slash didn't happen. She tweeted the video. Okay, so here's what I just caught a few minutes ago out my window. I saw a jet go by fast and then an explosion in the sky. Holy crap. Montana authorities address massive explosion rumors in the sky where a Chinese spy balloon was spotted. James, are we getting hoodwinked in Shanksville again? Good question. Yeah, if you take a look at that video, sure, certainly the shenanigans at Shanksville do come to mind. Just taking a look at that. What was that? What happened? Is that video real? Is this person who tweeted it out a real person? Uh, do we know anything about this? Well, certainly not. Can we confirm any of this? Well, if the Pentagon can't confirm it for us, what do we know? Yeah, who knows? Who knows at what level this is real hoax, something happened, something didn't happen, whatever. Something was at 60,000 feet, trust us on that. Like, ah, okay. It's, it's, it is such a weird story. And I, I, I think there is something very deeply culturally resonant with the idea of bal- the hot air balloon 
and spy balloon. It's even fun to say, and I don't know exactly all of the different details and threads that one could draw there going around the world in 80 days, and all of this deeply culturally resonant stuff about hot air balloons in the public psyche and what that might mean and how the propaganda masters might be playing on that, because this is how constructed is this story. But anyway, I'll let the synchromystics in the crowd think about that one and see what they can come up with. But on the note of the news itself and some of the reaction to it, um, I noted uh, one of my listeners, Dean, got in touch to send a link to cbc.ca from a 1998 report from CBC News when a Canadian weather balloon veered into Russian airspace in 1998. I'm talking about essentially this type of thing happening, a weather balloon getting caught in the jet stream and going around the world, and multiple jet uh, fighters in mul from multiple countries, Canada and other countries, having their shots at it and not being able to bring it down despite pumping it full of thousands of rounds of ammunition. Um, J uh, Jacob Hornberger over at the Future of Freedom Foundation uh, had a post up about the attack of the killer balloon and noting the hysteria and nonsense surrounding it. Also noting, yeah, it's not like, oh yeah, the US never sends up any sort of surveillance spying on anyone, right? Who's Gary Powers and what was that all about? Anyway, yeah, so there, of course there's a lot of resonance to this historically speaking. And then, as you say, where does this lead? Of course, to the prospect of war. This is a big shot in the arm for the old homeland security state, which still exists, although biosecurity may have taken the headlines for the past few years. Don't forget about homeland security. And who do we think about when we think about 9-11 and homeland security? We think about NORAD, keeping those skies safe, right? So NORAD commander, Chinese balloons that entered U.S. under Trump went undetected. The head of the North American Aerospace Defense Command claimed on Monday that Chinese balloons that entered U.S. airspace during the Trump administration weren't detected by the command, which is responsible for airspace protection of Canada and the continental United States. As NORAD commander, it's my responsibility to detect threats to North America. I will tell you that we did not detect those threats, and that's a domain awareness gap that we have to figure out. So... Yeah, again, just a big shot in the arm for the homeland security state, and ka-ching, ka-ching, they get more money to continue doing whatever it is they're doing. Um, and finally, I will direct people to China Talk, um, which is a podcast that I listen to. It's very mainstream, normie-ish, but it does have some interesting guests sometimes, and they had a, a Balloon Talk Emergency Edition podcast. The entire transcript is up on Substack. It's worth taking a look through. It's got some interesting history about um, barrage balloons in World War II, and some of the high-tech balloons that are available now, and there's a lot more to balloons than you might think until you start researching them. But, of course, as you say, I think this is trending towards... This is just another step in the propaganda construction for the next Great War. And speaking of echoes of World War I, uh, China, the U.S., and the next Great War, which, if people don't remember from my archives, I hope they'll check it out. Um, but, yeah, this puts in mind those types of scare stories that were happening, for example, in England, pumped out by the Daily Mail, Lord Northcliffe, of the uh, the Germans are going to invade. Um, and I believe it was Northcliffe that um, that ran, uh, serialized a novel about the German invasion that was going to happen in England, and this is how it's going to go. And every time the imaginary invasion they were reporting on the Daily Mail made another move to another city, the the town, you know, the the extra extra read all about it. The the Huns have gotten to whatever Liverpool. <laughs> That kind of nonsense um, was clearly part of the buildup towards preparing the public for World War I. And I think we're getting prepared for another big conflict here. And this is obviously part of it. 
an upside to any of these giant events anymore is, you know, big events mean big meme wars and there's all kinds of funny, goofy memes around there. James, that's actually, you bring up a really interesting point. I believe the only successful mainland attack from Japan on the U.S. in World War II was using what were called paper lanterns or on paper wings. I am messing up some of the terminology. But actually, yeah, balloons flown over and, and attacked. Now, I mentioned Hoodwinked in Shanksville. That is a classic 9-11 truth site from Killtown, Hoodwinked at Shanksville. Again, if the coof was your way, Paul, there's like 20 plus years to catch up on. Another balloon hoax, James, kind of floated into our minds in the media monarchy community. In 2009, a U.S. couple told the world their son had been carried away by a balloon. Rescue services scrambled to save him, but it was revealed to be a hoax and the pair were convicted. After 13 years, the couple were granted a pardon by the crime-loving governor of Colorado. Interesting, interesting synchronicities. Speaking of hoodwinked, on this Neural Next Week episode 509, Biden regime quietly frees one of the 9-11 terrorist planners from Gitmo as the whole country watches the Chinese spy balloon. From thegatewaypundit.com, as the whole country was preoccupied with the Chinese spy balloon last week, one of the 9-11 terrorist planners was quietly released from Guantanamo Bay in Cuba by the Biden regime. On Thursday, Majid Khan, now 42, was moved to Belize, his legal team announced today, more than 16 years after he was brought to Guantanamo Bay and almost a year after he completed a military commission sentence there. Pursuant to a plea and cooperation agreement with U.S. authorities, Majid Khan was transferred to Belize, his legal team said in a statement. Khan is one of the few detainees to be relocated to the Western Hemisphere and the first to be resettled under the Biden regime. He is the first of the prisoners transferred from a secret CIA detention to Guantanamo in September 2006 to be released, and the first third country resettlement by the Biden administration. Khan and his legal team deeply grateful to Belize for offering him a chance to begin a new life. I've been given a second chance in life and intend to make the most of it. I deeply regret the things that I did many years ago, and I've taken responsibility and tried to make up for them. I continue to ask for forgiveness from God, capital G, and those I have hurt. I am truly sorry. The world has changed a lot in 20 years, and I have changed a lot as well. I promise all of you, especially the people of Belize, that I will be a productive, law-abiding member of society. Thank you for believing in me. I won't let you down. My actions will speak louder than my words. Around a dozen countries were contacted by the Biden administration in an effort to provide Khan a new home, according to Comcast NBC. According to two U.S. houses, Secretary of State Antony Blinken was personally involved in negotiating the deal with Belize. A senior State Department official said the matter was discussed during a September meeting with the Belizean Prime Minister. Not only that, two high-ranking U.S. officials and a former high-ranking government official, who probably do work for the network news agencies now, told Comcast NBC that at least two more detainees will be moved from Gitmo in the coming weeks. Get over it, James. They got us. Hmm... Zero hits for Majid Khan on both of our websites. Now, is that because this guy wasn't really a 9-11 plotter and that Gateway Pundit made this crap up? You know what Comcast NBC didn't do? Lie about this guy having anything to do with 9-11. James, I covered this story on my Monday morning show, and I even thought then it smelled kind of fishy. I should have known by the mentions of Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, but I guess... 
I guess it's okay to lie about your opposition party if it's if it's really important to you, right? Trump lovers, Brandon lovers, y'all should just kiss. Yeah, James. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So it's the uh, right side of the so-called but not really alternative media just using mm-hmm. this as a political football thing. And what do they do uh, in the process? Of course, they bolster the whole Homeland Security nonsense terror grid um, by default, because of course it's the scary turban bo- Muslim boogeyman that are still there to get you. Gitmo is the gift that keeps giving to the Homeland Security liars and the 9-11 perpetrators, because every time anything happens with any of the detainees at Gitmo, it's like, Al-Qaeda, they did 9-11, I tell you, and they're coming to get you again. So um, this is exactly how it plays out. Now, for people who are interested in Majid Khan, um, he did confess in 2012, but he confessed to being apparently a courier who delivered $50,000 from Pakistan to Indonesia that was used in the 2003 um, Jakarta hotel bombing, and uh, that uh, he had been part of that plot to assassinate Musharraf. Um, that didn't obviously happen. So that was what he confessed to. But there there may be some asterisks with that confession. Back in 2015, Al Jazeera had a, um, an uh, article up that was penned by the attorney who was representing Khan, um, who talked about some of his treatment after being detained by the CIA in 2003, um, after being abducted by the CIA, I should say, uh, in 2003. Uh, he was sexually assaulted while hanging naked from the ceiling. Interrogators threatened to hammer his head and threatened to harm his younger sister. Uh, he lived in total darkness for much of 2003 and in solitary confinement from 2004 to 2006. These revelations follow public disclosure of a Senate Intelligence Committee report on the CIA torture program. CIA, re- CIA records cited in the 500-page executive summary show that Majid was anally raped when his lunch tray consisting of hummus, pasta with sauce, nuts, and raisins was pureed and rectally infused, etc., etc. I will stop reading there. You can read more if you're interested in those details. But anyway, those are some of the details um, that should not be surprising to people. For example, I covered this recently, episode 428 of the Corporate Report, Torturing the Truth, talking about that report and the executive summary and how the CIA hacked the Senate in order to try to delete records from their computers and all of that craziness. There's a lot more to say there. But anyway, that's some of the some of the details around the confession of Majid Khan that may be um, pertinent to what we're talking about. And again, it's very easy to just say, hey, look, they're getting one of those 9-11 guys. Biden is letting him go while you're distracted by a balloon. But as usual, that's um, just a very, very uh, propagandistic way of framing what's going on right now. And we forget and maybe there's lots of people again, James, who didn't even never know anything about it. 20 plus years ago, all the best lawyers working for the government, John Yoo, Alberto Gonzalez, they all successfully argued that it's okay if the president tortures children, crushes their testicles. It just depends on if the president feels that he needs to do that. You know what happened with all those powers? They got handed to Obama. Then they got handed to Trump. Then they got handed to Brandon, and it goes on and on and on. A little bit more on that, James. From the now banned in Pakistan Wikipedia entry, Majid Shukat Khan, born February 28, 1980, Pakistani, the only known legal resident of the United States held in Gitmo. Detained after returning to his native Pakistan to visit 
his wife, captured by Pakistani authorities, which handed him over to their good, good friends, the CIA. In 2012, Khan pled guilty to the murder of 11 innocent civilians. This is Wikipedia. In the 2003 Marriott Hotel bombing in Jakarta, Indonesia, and for the attempted assassination of Pakistan President Pervez Musharraf, they claim Khan had referred to Khalid Sheikh Mohammed as an uncle and spoke of a desire to kill Pakistan President Musharraf. After Khan was taken into custody, sent to a CIA black site in Afghanistan, where he was interrogated and transferred to Gitmo September 06, they claimed that his accusations had been an absolute lie. He said that he had been coerced into making the statements. Khan gained asylum in the U.S. in 98 and was living it up in the crime-filled charm city known as Baltimore, Maryland, where they say he went to school and worked for his dad. Citation needed. We will include those links as we include the links for everything that we mention on these episodes, including Pakistan blocks Wikipedia for blasphemous content. Now, speaking of Pakistan and Musharraf, our third and final story on this strangely 9-11-themed episode, that's right, the one and only Pervez Musharraf, Pakistan's ex-president, dead at the age of 79. When I mentioned this recently on the show, again, things are moving so quickly, James. Stories that would have been massive in alternative media 15, 10 years ago fly by now and people go, oh, I didn't even hear that he died. Trying to, you know, get some food and land for my family. Pakistan's former president, General Pervez Musharraf, who seized power in a coup in 1999, has died age 79. The former leader, who was president between 2001 and 2008, died in Dubai after a long illness, a statement from the country's army said. 2001 to 2008, that's like George Bush. He had survived numerous assassination attempts like George Bush and found himself on the front line of the struggle between Islamist, militant Islamists in the West. He supported the U.S. war on terror after 9-11, despite domestic opposition. In 2008, he suffered defeat in the polls and left the country six months later. When he returned in 2013 to try and contest that election, he was arrested and barred from trying to bring any legal fight. He was charged with high treason and was sentenced to death in absentia only for the decision to be overturned less than a month later. He left Pakistan for Dubai in 2016 to seek medical treatment and had been living in exile in the country ever since. He, man, he just missed that Beyonce concert in Dubai the other day. Musharraf died in a hospital Sunday morning. His body will be flown back from the UAE to Pakistan on a special flight. What is he, like a bin Laden family member? After his family submitted an application to do so, local TV channel Geo News reports. In the statement, Pakistan's military expressed its heartfelt condolences and added, May Allah bless the departed soul and give strength to bereaved family. Pakistan's President Arif Alvi prayed for eternal rest for the departed soul and courage to the bereaved family to bear this loss. Pakistan's current Prime Minister, Shabazz Sharif, also expressed his condolences, as did all of the country's military leaders. Musharraf's rule was characterized by extremes, credited with turning around the economic fortunes of the country while leader, at least praised by some for that. He was embroiled in a number of court cases following his loss of power, including accusations of failing to provide adequate security for former Pakistani Prime Minister Benazir Bhutto, whose assassination by the Taliban in 2007 shocked Pakistan and the world. Pervez Musharraf, former Pakistan president, dead at 79. Remember remember when John Leibowitz ad, asked Musharraf on The Daily Show, where's bin Laden? Good, good times. James, I'll throw it back to you with the question, 
Who created Pakistan's ISI, their Inter-Services Intelligence Agency? Uh, I'll take the CIA, CIA for a hundred bucks, uh, Alex. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And of course, as hopefully our viewers know, and if not, look into it. Uh, obviously, the creation of what became Al-Qaeda out of the stew of what was happening in Afghanistan, done with funding, CIA going through ISI, etc., cutouts, um, and all of that craziness happening back when the Talibans were the valiant freedom fighters. Um, we all remember that those days, right? Yes, and yes, of course. Where, what did Musharraf think had happened to uh, Osama bin Laden? Oh, right, January 18th, 2002. I think now, frankly, he is dead. So, of course, that's not necessarily proof of anything, because, of course, Musharraf would say that. But at any rate, that was one of the uh, the nine pronounced, the nine times that uh, Osama bin Laden had been pr pronounced dead between 2001 and 2011 um, that I cited in my article on the subject back when he was pronounced dead for the final time. Anyway, um, and people will also remember uh, that Musharraf was part of that airlift of evil um, that was cited in False Flags, The Secret History, which is a deep cut for <laughs> fans of the New World Next Week store, um, back in November of 2001 when America had been bombing the, uh, the smithereens out of Afghanistan and had routed the Taliban slash the few dozen people identifying as al-Qaeda slash Pakistani army officers slash intelligence advisors slash others into a small section of Kunduz. They were trapped in there, and it was Musharraf who cut the deal with Bush to get the Pakistani airplanes in there to airlift out all of those people. So there you go. Um, yes, an interesting career and lots of different threads and connections there. But while we are on the subject of Pakistani politics, I will admit I remember last year with the uh, the Imran Khan uh, ouster and the the protests that were happening around that, and I I I must admit that just went out of my news feeds and I kind of forgot about that whole story. If there's anyone out there who has any good sources on what's been happening with Pakistani politics over the past year, I'd be interested to read about it. So let me know. Um, but other than that, yeah, Musharraf, interesting. Another uh, another sign that we're getting older, I guess that. We're starting to see all the uh, the people we remember from back in the day are starting to drop off, aren't they? I can put a bow on it with a very media monarchy note. The original version of the cinematic masterpiece that is Rambo 3 ended with a little title card that's, I'm paraphrasing, but basically says, dedicated to our fighting brothers in the Mujahideen. That's the story of Rambo 3, is just what you're saying. We funded the Mujahideen to fight them evil Russians. Now, if you get first pressings of Rambo 3 on VHS, it actually still has that on there. So fortunately, everybody's put the screen grabs up and I can add that to the show notes. NewWorldNextWeek.com does have false flags, the secret history of... Those DVDs, man, those things are thick, James. Even when we we're just kind of messing with them here at the place. That is a triple disc. The first triple disc from the New World Next Week store. False Flags. We've got that DVD, tons of others, USBs, and more. And if you didn't know, I stream 40 plus hours a week of news, music, memes, and more. It's the best dang radio station you've never heard. Make it to where you have heard it. Check us out at MediaMonarchy.com slash listen. James, that is 9-11 episode 509-11 style. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well, let's do it again next week. Thanks for these stories. All right, buddy. Thank you so much. Take care.